everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. And it's a very special episode indeed, because Katie has decided to do this girl a solid. And she is doing our recap today. I am. It's amazing. I'm so pumped. Oh, good. Okay. So everybody settle in because Friday night we had the trial of the year. I'm not going to say the century, but tonight we're going to talk Amber Heard. (laughs) Get ready to get angry. You know a bunch of people just shut it off. (laughs) Yeah. You're either triggered, angry. There's just a lot of emotions happening when people say that name right now. So yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that. No, of course not. Sorry. And also, there were some people that got really excited when I said it, too. I know, there were. <laughs> there was a they, total They haven't had crowd. enough. They've <laughs> not had enough. No. What if there's someone who's like, the girl from Aquaman? Oh, interesting. Why is she on Dateline? What's going on? That was Friday's episode. So we are going to be doing a repeat, an old episode from 2012. So this is Who Killed the Radio Star, season 20. Video. It's video. Please don't ruin my opening joke. Please don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just let me have it. Go for it. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> no. So, Who Killed the Radio Star, Season 20, Episode 51. This aired on June 3rd, 2012, and it is hosted by Mr. Keith Morrison and narrated by me. Please be kind and please stick around. I've got some jokes. And I have Kimberly highly involved in the in the recap. <laughs> no, I'm gonna so. sit back and do nothing. I'm just hang, it. just hang out. As Kimberly said, the answer to the question of who killed the radio star is clearly video. And if you don't know that song, go listen to it right now. And I never wished more that I could play the song. In my mind and in my heart, <laughs> <Can't laughs> rewind. Good. We've gone too far. <laughs> it's a great song. I'm not doing it justice. That's a good robot voice. Video killed the radio star. The episode is over. It was the shortest recap in the history. (laughs) We did it. We solved it. We know who killed it. We can move on. But we don't because we open with what appears to be late 80s, early 90s footage of a radio DJ. And he says, all hits with K-P-K-E with the bird and the bee. Took me a long time to figure out he was saying with the bird and the bee. Did you get it? Yeah, the bird and the bee. But I was a little disappointed he didn't say on the ones and twos, which is the expression I still think that I'm not sure if it's right, but I still think that's what DJs say. I totally just got the bird and the bee. Do you get it? Birds and the bees. No, that's not it. Think about it for a second. The bird and the bee. Who's the bee and who's the bird? Is there a girl co-host? It's the name of his show. I'm not going to reveal it yet. We're going to get there. This is good. Okay. We're going to come back to it. Stephen B., is oh. the morning DJ everyone woke yeah, up to. I get and it. You do, but you didn't. No, not at all. I thought it was Birds and the Bees too, but it's not, and we missed it. That's okay. Stephen B. is the morning DJ that everybody woke up to. We get various women coming. This is sort of our precursor before we start the actual episode. This is Lester's preview. All these women are saying he was funny, he was crushworthy, and men saying he was very charismatic and had a fantastic voice. But Lester tells us that not everyone loves Stephen B because, spoiler alert, thanks Lester, he's about to be found with a shot in the back of his head. Spoiler alert, the title of the episode. There's that too. So yeah, I'm not going to blame Lester for that. The case involves a gleaming yacht, and the word yacht lights up. A scheming 
businessman. And nothing happens. And a missing fortune. And fortune lights up. So why did nothing happen with businessman? Well, it gets worse. Because then we get it one more time. From high seas adventure, nothing, to heart-stopping murder. And murder lights up. Well, murder should be lit up. So the words that are lit up there are yacht, fortune, and murder. Adventure and businessman are not, which makes me think they are paying by the letter to light them up. So the letter limit would be seven, and adventure Mm. and businessman, too many letters. I sort of think it's like one of those hidden codes that you'd put in like the newspaper. You'd put an advertisement, and then every something letter, and then you pull the letters down into an actual code. So you can work on that for the next hour. (laughs) It's the words that light up are yacht, fortune, and murder. Or you can do that at home if my voice is putting you to sleep. I only just learned how to spell yacht last week, pretty much. Yacht is a very hard word for me to spell. It's okay. I I probably will fail this code. I can't spell friend. I have to go fry end. I misplace the E and the I every time. Oh. And yeah, soldier. I see that. Soldier I becomes see that. soldier every time. I could see that. So that's our opening. And now we open on the sunny, sunny beaches of not sure yet, but Keith is about to tell us in a very poetic way. Down below the surface of the Pacific Ocean, on the far side of California's Catalina Island, is a silent current. Strange how it flows up to the swelling coastline of Santa Barbara, then just before the open sea turns back to glide again past this storied island with one sunny day in May 2006, someone in it. I don't, I had a tricky time with the opening. And there was a body in it. Yeah. So someone's, and I thought it meant the island, but it actually means the water. Yeah. Sometimes with his phrasing, you have to sort of reverse engineer the sentence and go back to the beginning and sort of do some sort of charting. You have to chart out the sentence. Now we meet Ken Clark and Robert Martindale. They are two detectives at the L.A. Sheriff's Department, and we get a sort of life motto from Ken Clark, who says, I have a saying, I would rather be lucky than good. And Kimberly's going to go ahead and tell everybody what that means. Kimberly, take it away. It means that he's really good at getting lucky in the bedroom. No, that's not what it means. It let's, means that try as a cop, he would rather get lucky breaks as opposed to having to work hard and figure out who the killer is. Because later on, he does get some lucky breaks. They say detective work is like a certain percentage hard work, a certain percentage luck. He would rather have it be all luck. Than good? Yeah, he doesn't care if he's good or not as long as he's lucky. Because lucky gets you the criminal. Okay, thank you for that explanation. That's I don't know if that was correct or not, but I said it with conviction. I like it because I had nothing. So I appreciate you. So... Clark and Martindale are the two detectives, which, by the way, that's a dynamite duo name, right? Sounds like an adventurer explorer team. Because of but Lewis I could and Clark. Be thinking of Lewis You're and definitely Clark. thinking of Lewis yeah. and Clark. Martindale is just a good, sort of like Nightingale. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. So they had 50 years between them on the fourth 
<laughs> the force and the fourth. And Keith says that this case floated to them on accident. There were some boaters that were going out to Catalina. Boaters. Boaters. Boat life. Hashtag boat life. Hashtag boat life. Just never heard it called boaters before. Boating. Seamen? Seamen? You just want to say the word. Sure. There were some seamen going to Catalina, mm -hmm. and they happened to see a body floating in the water. The body was in advanced levels of decomposition to the point that barnacles had attached to it. Kimberly, why don't you tell everyone what a barnacle is? <laughs> well, a barnacle is disgusting. And they grow on things. And there's this episode of this show called The Monster Inside of Me. And this guy was a fisherman and he cut his hand on his bucket. And oh. he thought it healed fine. But then his hand started to swell up and he stopped being able to use his muscles. No doctors could figure out what was wrong. He went to see a hand specialist, all this stuff. Finally, they did some x-rays and they like cut open his hand. Barnacles were growing inside his hand. Because That's the little wild. particles, he had little barnies inside barnacle his particle. hand. Barnacle wow. particles. Okay. So anyways, the barnacle body had no ID on it, and it was listed as a John Doe at the L.A. County Coroner's Office. But he did have one very specific attribute, or rather a missing attribute, three missing attributes <laughs> from his left hand. He did not have three of his fingers, but this is clear to the coroner that this did not happen from a seagull or something that an accident in the water barnacles overtook the hand. None of that happened. Actually, what happened was they he had lost his three fingers, obviously, as a young person. So he had been without his fingers for a very long time. And he was finally identified due to the missing three fingers, because that's how sort of an interesting moment because the cops seemed very skeptical. They weren't going to release the missing three fingers to the world. We knew that someone would identify them if they could tell right. us about fingers. Yeah. Didn't make a lot of sense. But anyways, they were eventually able to identify the body. And it is a person named Stephen Bailey Williams, known as Stephen B on the tens and twos. Yes. So this is our B in the bird and the bee. Stephen B. is a pretty well-known radio DJ from a Denver-based morning show called Stephen B. and the Hawk, which is the bird in our bird and the bee. There we go. We got there. So now we are going to be Kimberly and the cat. <laughs> okay. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Okay, great. We meet Stephen B.'s friend, Doug, and he's a major interview. And we meet a former co-worker of Stephen's named Sylvia. And Sylvia had a big crush on Stephen when they worked together at a station in Hawaii. And so one night she like gets up the courage to ask him out on a date to the Beach Boys concert. He said no. And she's super crushed. We've all been there. I felt so bad for Sylvia. Mm -hmm. She's crying in her cubicle. And the station manager comes over and is like, oh, honey, no, he's gay, <laughs> which is probably the greatest thing to hear. Yeah. If you're in that situation, you're like, oh, my God, it's not just yeah. that I'm a horrible monster. Yeah. I would rather go to a Beach Boy concert with my new gay best friend than on an awkward first date. Which is pretty much what happens because then they become great pals, mm -hmm. which is such a wonderful story. I loved it. I very much like the two friends in this episode, which I feel tells you how great of a guy Steven was, that he yeah. had people like Doug and Sylvia in his life. Yeah. 
they're pretty cool. I'm just comparing him to the last radio DJ we had on the show during a double date we had recently where he talked about pooping a lot. He is way less annoying in the stuff we see. I would not mind if he was my radio DJ. Mm-mm. Not at all. He was great. Also, his yeah. voice is exact radio DJ voice. Yeah. It's perfect. So in the 90s, Stephen B. loses his radio gig and goes and does some work at a winery, then goes home to his dad's house in the 2000s to take care of his dad, who's sick. And after his dad passes away, Stephen changes career course completely. He makes a friend who had bought a yacht and was going to sail this yacht around the world. And Stephen, who we are told a little bit earlier that he's kind of a budding chef, I guess. He just really likes to cook and I guess makes really good food, but is not a good chef in the timely aspect that a chef needs to be. I guess he would say we're going to eat dinner at seven and then they'd end up eating dinner at eight or nine at night, which I respond to that. I see him and I understand. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be the chef on this yacht, which is good because there's probably not a lot of distractions if you're just on a boat. You just have to do your job and that's the end. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's good for him. He's going to be the chef on this yacht as it's sailing around the world with his new friend. But clearly something has gone horribly wrong because his waterlogged body has shown up. Mm. And not just that. It's shown up not drowned, not natural causes, not he fell off the boat and it was an accident. There is a very purposeful bullet hole in the back of his head. So Stephen B. was murdered. That's why murder was all lit up. Detectives Clark and Martindale start talking to Stephen B.'s friends. They say he had particularly good friends and they were very, very close, which we can tell already. But one of his newest friends was this person with the yacht and his name is Harvey Morrow. And Harvey Morrow is married to a woman named Debbie. Now, when I heard that he was going sailing around the country on a yacht, I, for some reason, did not expect it. Oh, sorry. Start sailing around the world on a yacht. I, for some reason, did not expect it to be a threesome. I did not <laughs> think that there was a Debbie. Debbie surprised me. Debbie came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. If I was Debbie, I would be like, I'll cook my own food. I don't want some stranger coming on the boat with us around the world. I'll eat cereal. I just want my privacy, please, with my husband on this boat. But yeah. maybe, but Stephen had a great personality. Right. So maybe she was fine with it. Because she says he loved music. He loved to cook. He was really easy to talk to. And I was like, okay, so you have a best friend on the boat. That's great. You might actually be getting the best of both worlds. I just, I was just surprised. It surprised me. So the yacht was 59 feet long. Kimberly, you are a yachtsman. Yeah. Why don't you tell us all how long 59 feet is in relation to regular yachts? Um, below deck, it's like 100 and something meters, I want to say, which is different than feet. So I don't know, and you've asked the wrong person. Is it big? It seems it, big. It is appropriate for three people and not okay. what I would call a super yacht where you would have a staff with a bunch of stews and no deck. staff quarters right but two bathrooms that's true that is true how many bathrooms do the below deck boats have oh eight i don't know really at least well wow. no more because they each of the crew they share bedrooms they each have their own probably has 10 or 15 
Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. All Again, right. totally making this up. I do watch the show religiously, but I've never counted the bathrooms. Yeah, but I- next time I watch, that's what I'll be Count doing. the bathrooms. Okay. Yeah. So the boat is called the Ilar Mara, which means water dreams. Oh. No, it doesn't. I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> the boat. But I, I believed like, that for I real. I could have passed that off, but I knew someone would call me out on it. The boat was docked in the LA Yacht Club and was getting all fixed up before the trio set sail around the world. Now we meet local steelsmith boating enthusiast Greg Labano, who ah! is helping Harvey with some metal work on the boat. Greg is amazing. He looks like Crocodile Dundee. He's he- dressed like Crocodile Dundee. He has long, shaggy hair. Do you remember? He looks Kurt like he's Rus- now Russell Crocs. Do you remember Kurt Russell in Overboard? Yes. If Kurt Russell stayed on the boat, never left the boat for 35 years, that's who Greg is. That's Greg. Yeah. Yeah. He's a character and he is MVP. He's pretty delightful. Oh, whenever he came on the screen, especially when we thought he was gone and then he kind of pops up again at the end. I was like, Greg's back. Greg, I missed you, man. So Greg tells Keith that he and Harvey Morrow have the outlaw mentality. Mm-hmm. which is Wall Street rebels who were rejecting society rules just out there on their boats. By having long hair. One of them with brushed hair and one of them with not. One of yeah. them cares and one of them doesn't because yeah. Harvey is coiffed in every oh my picture God. that we see. Great and head of hair. Greg is decidedly not and purposefully not. It is a yeah. choice. No. He does not the care. It is water, salty. The yeah. seawater is his conditioner. Yeah. He does... He's not interested in a hairdo. So Greg tells us some great information about Harvey. The most important thing here is that Harvey, for some reason, pays $50,000 for a washer-dryer installation in his yacht. $50,000? Does it spin your t-shirts into gold? (laughs) (laughs) Kimberly, how much was your tiny washer-dryer that plugs into your sink? $80 on Amazon. (laughs) Is it called the Panda? It is. It's called the panda. Yeah. Also, when I go to the laundromat, because the panda doesn't do such a great job, it's like five, ten dollars, five, eight. It's like eight dollars, fifty thousand dollars for a washer dryer. He got ripped off, is what happened. Someone you know, sold him something. We- that sounds like money laundering. That sounds like edible it's, arrangements. It's There's laundering. Wrong. Did you do it's that on purpose? <laughs> I did it. I didn't. I wish I had. That's so good. I mean, Harvey has expensive tastes, but whatever floats your boat. Sorry, that was my one boat pun. I'm going to try to get in there. You could do it again if you've got more. So Harvey is one of these investment banker types. I don't know exactly what an investment banker does. They just have lots of money and they put it in accounts, take it out, move things into shell corporations, take it. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they do. I know stocks, bonds. I finally saw like Wolf that. of Wall Street. How that And go? I still don't totally understand. But I know that no one had a $50,000 washer dryer. But they had a lot of barbiturates in that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I knew that happened. So Harvey, he's done some investment banking and now is sort of living off of those investments and putting all of that money that he's made into the boat. And so if the washer and dryer is $50,000, you can imagine how much he's spending on other things. He's got like teak interior, which I know that's an expensive wood. And also, who cares? 
just stain it so it looks like teak. It, things like that drive me crazy. You have to. You use don't this. understand hashtag boat life, Katie. If you watched Below Deck, you don't. Kimberly, why don't you tell us what teak is? <laughs> Anyways, there's a fireplace on the boat. <laughs> there a is fireplace. Yeah, on a boat. Two bathrooms, they say, and then what else was there? What the heck? Put a hot tub in it. If you don't have a hot tub on your yacht, yeah. you're not doing it right. No, to opt for the hot tub, and I don't even like a hot tub, over the fireplace. Over the $50,000 washer and dryer. Get yeah. a $10,000 washer and dryer right. and spend forty grand to Still put a hot tub on your boat. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Just jump, jump in the ocean when you want to clean your clothes. Yeah, I'm done with this. But meanwhile, while he's putting all this money into the boat, Debbie, the lovely, his lovely wife, continues to work at her job. She has to keep working. Because he says, yeah, Yeah. he's like, what if you have to work another year? And Keith is so perplexed that Debbie is okay with this. He actually puts his finger in his mouth. Which I've never seen before. His hand is so far on his face. Sometimes, you know, he does a lot of face to hand, hand to face action. Yes. His finger goes in his mouth. He's so upset that Debbie has to keep working. What is that? Why is she working? Because Harvey is a jerkopotamus rex. I don't know. (laughs) Yes, he is. I don't know what that means either. (laughs) I liked it, though. (laughs) So Stephen was not contributing any money to to the boat. He's living on, by the way, they're all three living on the boat, which I have questions about. We'll get to later. Stephen is not contributing any money because Stephen doesn't have any money. He's one of these people that is not a paperwork person. Again, I see you, Stephen. I understand. <laughs> Taxes were sometimes troublesome. Again, I see you, Stephen. I understand. <laughs> he waited eight years one time to do his taxes. You're not that's that terrifying to me. Yeah. That makes me sweat. Eight years is too long. Oh, two years is too long. It, it was a lot. But now it's kind of worse because he's come into this inheritance. His dad's estate is apparently worth $2 million. But luckily, he has this new banker friend, Harvey, to help him sort out all that paperwork and invest that money for him. Luckily for us at A Date with Dateline, there is a company like Canva that can help us with some things that we're not so, I'm going to say this nicely, naturally gifted in. How dare you? I'm so sorry. I'm trying to say it nicely. I have to create social media content for the podcast, and it used to have me feeling like I could barely keep my head above water. Okay, I lied. That's my second boat pun. It would take me hours, hours to do the most basic of tasks. But now I'm designing like a pro with Canva Pro. It is so fast and easy and fun. This morning, I don't want to brag, but I'm going to totally brag that I finally made my first TikTok and I only was able to do it with Canva's help. I used Canva to make the very first image. I am so epically proud right now. If you haven't gone to our TikTok, I also put it on Instagram and Twitter because I was that <laughs> proud of it. Keith retweeted it and said that he loved it, by the way. Yeah. What? And I used Canva to make the first slide of a detective with a magnifying glass. And then in a cool font, I wrote, which Dateline host could have been a secret serial killer when they were younger? And then I did these fast montages of their younger pictures. It's, it was really fun. And it took me like one minute. Canva Pro is also great 
for a team to share projects and edit and comment in real time. If we had a social media person, I could send them the image I made last week and they could say, Kimberly, that cartoon chef's hat you put on Josh Mankiewicz's head is great, but it's a little too jauntily askew. And they could tweak it and we would be collaborating on Canva together. My favorite thing about Canva Pro is that I had 700 chef's hats to pick from, which is perfect because I'm a little, little bit particular when it comes to my cartoon chef hats that are appropriate to be perched upon the head of Sir Mankey. And I found the perfect one. Plus, you and four teammates can get everything Canva Pro has to offer, the templates, the fonts, the photos and videos for just $12.99 a month for all of you. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash date dateline to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash date dateline. Canva.me slash date dateline. Dateline. Make the world your Canva pro. Thank you, Canva. Thank you. While I would love to have a private chef on a boat to make sure that I ate healthy every day, that's not my life. No. Hashtag not my life. No, no. Hashtag no no boat boat life. life. (laughs) Which is why I'm really grateful for our next sponsor because they make a product that I literally use every day and helps me stay healthy and it's called Athletic Greens. Ooh. Heard of it? I started mm-hmm. taking AG1 because I knew the incredible health benefits of a good multivitamin. And I'm not interested in taking a horse pill. I really yeah. wanted something simple and I wanted a supplement that actually tasted great. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. I've heard mm-hmm. about Athletic Greens mm-hmm. and it did not disappoint. I've been on AG1 for six weeks and I love it. It doesn't taste like the supplement taste that you think it's going to. Basically, it doesn't taste like you smushed up wheatgrass and lemongrass. It tastes delicious. It doesn't Mm -hmm. taste super healthy. It's got this kind of mild tropical taste that I swear I taste a little bit of vanilla in. I don't know why. That's just like an underpinning flavor that I get, but I love it. So what is it? What is AG1? With one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. Mm-hmm. It makes you a superhuman. So what I do is in the morning, I put a scoop of AG1 in this reusable water container and I shake it up and I drink it down while I'm putting my face on. It's a really easy way to make sure that I drink it every day. And by the time I'm ready for lips, I'm not drinking out of the bottle anymore. (laughs) I'm done with the athletic system down. I have it down. I have it down because I've really noticed the benefits. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, so it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And AG1 is a small microhabit with huge benefits. It's the one thing that you can do every single day to take care of yourself, and so I'm doing it. I'm sticking to it. The benefits are just too big to be ignored. They support better sleep quality and recovery, which is something I really need, and mental clarity and alertness, which is something I really need. And Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science. 
And you know a date with Dateline loves a company with a conscience. And Athletic Greens is a climate neutral certified company. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. That's amazing. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. I love the travel pack. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash date dateline. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash date dateline to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens is people. Yay! I didn't do it good like you did it. Athletic Greens is nutrition. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Athletic Greens. Give them a try. If you're on the fence, give yeah. them a try. So Harvey's boat is constantly getting worked on, new additions all the time. One year passes, two years pass, three years pass, also three years living on a boat. Not just a boat, a construction site right. boat. You know, yeah. like if your kitchen is being renovated. Well, I don't, mm -hmm. I live in an apartment, but I've lived at my parents' house and they're having renovations and that's in a house. This is a tiny boat, three people, construction site. I think that's another way. So it's you the have Greg with his hair flipping all over the place, installing fireplaces. He, he lives on his boat, but he doesn't even have a below the boat. He lives on top of the boat. <laughs> so and people yell at him for his nudity because he <laughs> sleeps in the nude so yes. i hope that's true yes um, regardless three years working on this also i would be questioning that's a lot that's a really that's really way long too time. long yeah it seems long but one day out of nowhere during this renovation period stephen b just disappears and it's not just that his cabin on the boat where he was living was always sort of a disaster, which makes sense with the no paperwork, the dinner late at night. Again, I see you, Stephen B. It's mm -hmm. very messy, but now it's completely clean. And Greg tells us it's not just clean, it's sterile. Mm -hmm. Stephen's friends start to get really worried after a few weeks because the boat is still there, just no Stephen. It's not like the boat took off to sail the world and they were expecting Stephen to go. It's not that. The boat's docked. Stephen isn't on it. So they call Harvey. And Harvey tells one of Stephen's friends that Stephen went to Hawaii. And he tells another friend that he went to Mexico. And Doug says, no, no, no. There's no way that he's in Mexico. That's completely out of character. He wouldn't go if you pointed a gun at his head. So what was Kimberly, that about? Why, <laughs> why don't you tell us why Doug is so vehemently against Stephen going to Mexico? Stephen had a Mexican lover mm. who did him very wrong. And it was very much like a novella. Thought he was sleeping with this lover, but then this evil twin came back and was pretending to be the lover. Oh. He ended up in this love triangle with the twin and his evil twin. And it all happened in Mexico. And that's why he will never go back to Mexico, even at gunpoint. It could be true because it seemed like there was a Mexico backstory. We didn't get it, but 
He was so adamant. Why won't he no, go there to was Mexico? A story. Something happened Something in Mexico. Happened. Doug, if you know Doug or Doug, for some reason in the world you're listening to this, what was the deal with Mexico? Yeah, what happened there? Because I like Mexico. I've not had yeah. bad experiences in Mexico. So I'm just wondering what happened. And I feel like they might have been together when it happened. So just oh. let us know. So Keith and Detectives Clark and Martindale go to the boat. They go to the actual boat and walk around. The sheriff's department had seized the boat as searching for a possible crime scene when they couldn't get a hold of Harvey. The boat is pristinely clean. So clean, Ken Clark tells us, that you could eat off the floor. He does say at this point that it's his saying. It's not, but I'm going to let it slide. Did he say that? I thought he He was saying, like, I said it at the time. I, but he was doing a Peggy Hill from King of the Hill, it's Spapeggy and Meatballs. Or <laughs> like I say, the day after Thanksgiving is the busiest shopping day of the year. It was said something like that. Something that I say, you could eat off it, is what he said. And so I, a that's lot of a, people, and I don't think it meant to expression. come out that way because I like Ken Clark, but a yeah, lot I, I didn't. Yeah, it, it was funny. It made me giggle. <laughs> So they try the boat's navigation system to see if at least they can find out where the boat has been because there's no obvious evidence on the boat at all. But the boat navigation system had never even been turned on. It had this super expensive system, never even turned on or hooked up. But they find a manual for a handheld GPS, a Garland? Garmin. Garmin GPS, but not (laughs) the actual GPS itself. It was just the manuals for it. So the detectives now have to start digging into Harvey Morrow's background because they still cannot find Harvey. They are on the boat. They've gotten as far as they can get. They got to figure out what this Harvey guy's deal is because he's obviously the main suspect at this point. So word around the yacht club is that he wasn't the old money that he appeared to be or the new money he appeared to be. A boat living neighbor said that Harvey dressed like Gilligan and the skipper. Kimberly, can you tell us why that's not possible? Because they're separate people. Because they dress nothing alike. Well, they're not even the same body type. No, they have very different body types. That's the point is that they're these two different. Well, in that day and age, you didn't, no one really knew how to dress their body type. Also, he dresses like Mr. Howell. Yeah. He doesn't dress like the skipper or Well, Gilligan. did he wear a cap? Did he wear a sailor's cap in the one of the photos? No, he, the captain's hat, Mr. Howell. Yeah, I could also see the skipper, I think, wore a cap. And Gilligan wore like more like a Bermuda hat, I think. Yeah, Gilligan wears the sailor little cap, but I don't know. I just didn't see it. Maybe the skipper, if the skipper was super fancy, because we see him in almost popped collars, sweaters around the shoulders. Like he belongs to a yacht club. Like he, right. So he is dressing the part and they say it was almost like he was wearing a costume. So Kimberly, can you tell us what proper boating attire is? Barefoot, shorts, (laughs) tank. (laughs) <laughs> you heard it here first folks but it's it much- depends on if you're going on below deck or if you're working on the boat okay anyways he dressed like hashtag boat life poser sure there we go so what's worse than his bad wardrobe is keith tells us his employment history was not quite as gold-plated as harvey let on 
it's a shocker. Not. It's there's it's fool's gold. No legitimate investments, no legitimate businesses. Everything is short lived and basically tinged with fraud. A streak of fraud throughout. Me of somebody. someone sweared. Sylvia Stevens' friend remembers that. Stephen's trunk had been broken into a little bit before he went missing. Stephen just, he was keeping all of his really super important personal private paperwork in his trunk. The trunk of his car, to be clear, not like Harry Potter has a trunk when he's going off to Hogwarts. Sorry, yeah, not his Louis Vuitton luggage trunk. (laughs) His passport and his trust paperwork were all stolen. Sylvia asked Stephen about, well, what about the paperwork with Harvey regarding the investments of your dad's inheritance? And he says, well, what do you mean? I don't have paperwork for that. And she is shocked. I am shocked. Stephen. Stephen. I'm going to say it like Kristen Mm -hmm. Cavallari because that's Stephen. Come on. I love you, Stephen, but you got to get yourself some trusted advice and you got to get paperwork. How about just don't give him all the money? Don't give him all the trust. Also, is he a certified CPA? What are you doing? Stop this. Stop, stop, stop. He's way too trusting. It's too late. I know. Yeah. So Sylvia tells all this to detectives, but the detectives already suspected that Stephen's money was going to something very specific. Because they had found the financial ledger for the boat, and the work that was being done on the boat totaled $1.7 million. All of the improvements were paid for by Stephen's $2 million inheritance from his father. Harvey had put it in an offshore account, and so he had done what he told Stephen he was doing in case Stephen did ask for the paperwork, it was there. But he was pulling it out back to the States little by little till it was almost gone. $1.7 million had been spent on this stupid washer and dryer. And Harvey, of course, had also lied to his wife, Debbie. He wasn't just lying to Stephen. He had lied about property that he owned. He took all the money that she had made while she was still working while he worked on the boat. He lied about auto insurance that he said she was driving around with, which is very dangerous. And her diamond ring, this big honking diamond he had bought her, was not a diamond at all. It was cubic zirconia. Or as Mickey would say. Cubic, what do you call it? Cubic. That just got stuck in her head. We love Mickey. We miss you, Mickey. Also, Debbie looks a little like Mickey. Yeah. So I felt really bad because I did very much like Debbie and she got taken for a ride. Here's the only thing negative I can say about Debbie is. Why would you? Well, no, I like Debbie. I just think she did make several mistakes. You're going to point them out to her here today. She knows what she did, but I'm going to say she and she knows she was slightly foolish in love with this man who screwed her over. But why did she not get a $25,000 ring insured? Because then it would be examined and she would have known right away that it was a fake. Because if I had to guess, he had told her you already had it insured. There we go. Okay, I retract everything. Yeah, okay. you're right. That makes Can sense. Can you apologize to Debbie? Debbie, I love you, girl. Also, the worst part about Debbie is that she says, I don't even think he liked me. Oh, that's She doesn't so even sad. think Harvey liked her. But seriously, where is Harvey? The detectives heard rumblings that he had friends in Belize in the Virgin Islands, and so they put out the word down in where all the rich people go vacation, but no word until one day. 
a mysterious stranger appears in Great Falls, Montana. Story shift. Okay. Now we are at Pete's Auto Dealership with Joe Parsetage. Parsetage? I hope I'm saying his last name right. Joe. Joe is the financial manager at this used car lot called Pete's Auto Dealership. And there's a new guy that starts work. So this new guy's kind of cocky. And Joe tells us he doesn't really fit in with this super nice Montana attitude that they're real meat and potatoes people. Mm-hmm. I think he means salt of the earth. So if you have salt of the earth on your bingo cards, I feel like you could mark that off here. Yeah. So one night, Joe and the new guy get to talking. The new guy tells him his life story, basically, how he ended up in Great Falls, Montana. This guy used to be a Wall Street banker. Sounds familiar. And he had a beautiful lakefront house in Texas. But one weekend, this man's wife and a few of her friends had decided to go and sail their yacht. This is when yacht would light up, if I was telling, <laughs> if I was Lester and telling the story, in the Gulf of Mexico for the weekend. But there's this horrible storm. The boat capsized. Everyone dies. And so it's such a tragedy, and he's so traumatized. He wanted to get as far away from large bodies of water that he could so he moved (laughs) to montana and started working at the and he didn't also want his old life either apparently he must have also he doesn't say that but he must have left his banking he left his riches behind as well this sad story belongs to harvey morrow of course kimberly could you smell the bs in this story if you were joe yes because a you want to get away from bodies of water but you move to a place called great falls That's trouble. Harvey would be the one who wouldn't go to Mexico at gunpoint because his wife tragically died in a boating accident going to Mexico. Mm -hmm. But alas, that story was false. Yes, I could see. And I think Joe right away has a good sniffer. He can say Mm -hmm. something, something doesn't smell right around these parts. He knows something's not right. And not only that, Joe is a retired police officer. Yeah, and I don't know how Harvey didn't pick up on that because Joe has a cop mustache. So it's cop almost head like of hair, cop he mustache. Hasn't been listening to our podcast. Cop screams he cop. Oozes cop. Yeah. So Joe takes it a step further and decides, you know, this guy is a little odd. It's when he's just driving home, he says, you know, I'm going to see if his car is in the hotel where he said he was staying, which I'm guessing is maybe a nicer hotel in town. So he knows he drives this Range Rover, which is a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty fancy car, I would be Mm -hmm. assuming for Great Falls. And so drives by this hotel he says he's staying at, the car's not in the parking lot. So he's like, I'm going to check some other hotels and motels. So goes around, finds out that he's staying at this place called the Imperial Inn, which they don't say is a seedy motel, but I think we can guess that Imperial Inn is a seedy motel. Yes, but also you can take the cop out of Joe, but you you can take Joe out of the cops, but you can't take the cop out of Joe. That Something was good. Like that that? Was, do you want? He can't turn it off, is what I'm trying to say. Let's put that as our tagline for. That can be our headline. That's the elevator pitch. <laughs> You're finally getting it. That wouldn't be it. Though. No, it wouldn't but, be that at all. But it's still a good little. It's a good little clip. So. Joe is like, why is he lying about this? This is kind of weird that 
this guy's got this big old story and now he's lying about what hotel he's staying in. So he goes home, gives it a bing, finds out that Harvey Morrow is attached to this person's mysterious death, Stephen B., this radio DJ. So Joe's got all his sirens blaring in his head and he lets the buddies at the precinct know because he thinks there's some slight chance that Harvey Morrow, is, maybe it's a name that somebody else, because why would this guy give his real name? But Exactly. It's, Change your name, fool. Really? he No, he's cocky. He's one of these sociopaths that just thinks he can get away with everything. He doesn't think he's going to get caught. He really doesn't think he's going to get caught. Well, he underestimated the good people of Great Falls. Yes, he did. He underestimated Joe for sure. So Joe tells his buddies at the precinct and pretty soon Ken Clark is getting a red dot on his phone, which I thought was very... A cute way for Keith to say that, that he had a message on his phone. So he's got a message from the Great Falls police, and they get up there as fast as they can. And there's this very polite, very civilized click-click of handcuffs, (laughs) and Harvey has been found. Police find guns and ammunition in Harvey's Land Rover, and they haul him in for questioning right away. But the one thing that I was seeing in Harvey's car, well, the one thing that was missing from Harvey's car that I thought I would see would be luggage, because did he just go on the run with the sweater tied around his shoulders, his yachtsman gear, and that's it? He just, just, the clothes on his back, he doesn't need anything else? I'm sure he wanted to bring some things from the boat, too. You need luggage for that. You have to have luggage. If you're going to take the $550,000 washer... You're going to need some heavy-duty luggage. And I know that when I travel, I have to take my away luggage because it's perfect for every occasion. It's perfect for a week-long trip. It's perfect for a weekend getaway because somehow it just fits everything. I don't know how it does it. It feels like it's one of those magic, expandable Mary Poppins Poppins bags. It's fantastic. The people at Away create thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless And now, when even the familiar looks different, you can count on Away's range of essentials to solve real travel problems whenever you take that next trip. All of Away's suitcases are built to last, with durable extenders that can withstand even the roughest of baggage handlers. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system, a built-in compression pad to help you pack more in. I'm one of the people that takes something like that out. I immediately put it back in because it really does work to sort of push everything down. And I don't know how. It also has a hidden and removable laundry bag that separates your dirty clothes out, which is super helpful. They've just thought of everything. Also, you can't beat four 360-degree spinner wheels that guarantee the smoothest roll, even through super hectic airports and stations, and sometimes uneven footing. I've put my away suitcase through it. Cobblestones, dirt, those grady things, the people movers in the airport, mm-hmm. all that. Oh, I think I just realized why Stephen didn't want to go to Mexico. He didn't have a suitcase that could withstand those cobblestone streets. Oh, no, it makes total sense. Yeah. Also, there's a TSA-approved combination lock on away suitcases that keeps all your belongings safe. They really did think of everything. And be sure to check out Away's newest line, the Expandables, which is their soft side suitcases made of durable water-resistant nylon that is made to last a lifetime 
and they expand 1.75 inches, so you have the flexibility to pack even more into your trip. That's for that last-minute stuff that you forget and you need to shove in. That's where Mm -hmm. that 1.75 inch comes in handy. Mm -hmm. Also, there's an easy access front pocket to fit all the essentials you need on hand, like iPad, laptop, passport, tickets, books, cords, all that stuff is right in this pocket that you can grab easily. There's also a hidden handle on the base of the suitcase. So when you put it in the overhead bin, you can grab it easily. Mm. Instead of having to turn it around and do that whole dance, it's on the back. There's handles on both ends. Away thought of everything. And there's a 100-day trial on everything that Away makes. So take the product out on the road. If you decide it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund during that period. No ifs, ands, or asterisks. They also offer free shipping and returns on any order within the contiguous U.S., Europe, Canada, and Australia. So start your 100-day trial and shop the entire away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases. Check out the expandables at awaytravel.com slash date dateline. That's awaytravel.com slash date dateline. I want to get away. I want to get away with my away. Thank you so much, away. Speaking of stuffing things down, it's not good to stuff down emotions. No, ma'am. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I've been so burned out lately, and I think most of you are too, because I posted a meme that said, this month I'm doing a challenge called June. It's where I try to make it through every day of June. And I got so many likes and comments. I saw that one. I almost liked can it. Really, oh, it almost got a like. If it didn't, it would have taken you two seconds to give me a like. Why couldn't you give me a like? I don't give anyone likes. I need to talk to my therapist about it. (laughs) Symptoms of burnout include lack of motivation, irritability, and fatigue. Judging by these, I've had burnout since ninth grade. And it's not just work that can get you burned out. It is your family, your friends, social media. My dad feels constantly burned out because the local weather people on the news say, as we head on into the weekend, and he hates that expression, he finds it emotionally taxing. It causes him to scream in fits of rage. He says, we're not heading into anything. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that it's okay to be a little selfish and put yourself first. Set aside some time to talk to a counselor and figure out what's causing stress in your life. I always feel more energized, more focused on my goals, and less overwhelmed by day-to-day life after every therapy appointment. I'm also learning how to not follow in my dad's genetic footsteps by being annoyed by local weather people. I save that dislike for teenagers. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist. So you don't have to appear on camera if you feel more comfortable opening up without showing your face. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dateline that's better h-e-l-p.com slash dateline help i need need somebody somebody. better help not just anybody my therapist i need a therapist today help yay thank you better help thank you better help okay it's time Harvey is finally in interrogation, and he's being extremely vague and evasive, and it's super annoying. I was so annoyed watching the interrogation. At one point, they're asking him about Stephen's money, and he just says, ask Stephen. 
Uh-uh. She's being like a little no. prince, you know? Everything is, I don't remember. It's like he's testifying in front of the Senate. He's like, I don't recall. He doesn't or recall he just says, anything. Fifth. Yeah, exactly. Fifth. Moving on. So finally, he just asked for a lawyer. And what took him so long? Just ask for a lawyer if you're not right. going to talk or gonna, be evasive. Yeah. If you're not going to do anything. He's charged with first degree murder. And while there is a ton of evidence of him taking Stephen's money... There is not a lot of evidence for the actual murder of Stephen. Then there's this sort of funny scene of Doug on a beach. And when he, it's basically when Doug, the friend Doug, gets the call from the detective Ken Clark and his phone had dropped in the sand. And then he saw that it was lighting up and the call was from. Do you know what the scene that I'm talking about? The call yes. is from Ken Clark. Yeah, no, says, it was very we dramatic. Him. We got yeah. it. And it's shot very, because it's all shot in B-roll, you basically. You see the phone in you the sand. You see the phone in the sand, which is stressing me out. And I'm like, oh, the sand gets in the bits. Yeah, it's not I know. Fun. Yeah. So anyways, and then Keith tells us that this would be the perfect movie ending for this story. When mm-hmm. he gets the call, we got him. We yep. got him, Doug. And he just looks out into the ocean and, and they smiles. do this, this letterbox zoom in is what they do at this point. Like the movie is ending. It's about to scroll the end in uh-huh. over <laughs> yeah. the top. But yeah. that doesn't happen. It might as well go uh-huh. and then back to real life. But it was a funny moment that they spent time on. So I found that interesting because especially in these hour episodes, there's limited time. Yeah. And why I'm spending time on it now. We also don't know. That's but no, okay. It was fascinating B-roll. I've never was, seen that right? before. Yeah. It was yeah. very dramatic. Yeah. Also, the phone was very 2012. Yeah. I did enjoy that. Set so the mood. the detectives could not find any evidence on the boat that was important. No fingerprints, no DNA, no blood, nada. But then a phone call from the LA Yacht Club gives them a little something to go on. Someone at the Yacht Club had found... The handheld GPS. It had been wrapped in a napkin and hidden in the back of a cabinet in the club library. First of all, I didn't know yacht clubs had libraries. Oh, yeah. Because you don't know hashtag boat life. Kimberly, (laughs) tell us about yacht club libraries and how you found out about them. From watching Below Deck. You knew that yacht clubs had libraries. No, but I could assume because the country clubs have libraries. They do? thing. I think, country. yeah, I've been to country clubs that have libraries, yeah. I have not been to, I've been to a racket club, and racket clubs don't have libraries. They have treadmills, <laughs> but they don't have libraries. Yeah. Tennis is just a lowbrow sport where they don't like to read. Well, um, that's, that's that's fully untrue. So. <laughs> I know, I don't know. <laughs> Try again. But wow, that's okay. Anyways, that was why is it wrapped in a napkin like your mom served you Brussels sprouts and you don't want to eat them? So you spit them in your napkin and then you hide them in the cupboard. Throw the Garmin into the sea. Thank you. you. Put the body in the ocean. Why would you not throw the Garmin in the ocean? Thank you. It was almost like he was cheap at the last minute, cheaped yeah. out. It was like, I'll yeah. come back for you. I'm yeah. going to come back because I want to use this again. Right. And so, who found it? A commandant. Is that what they said? Yeah. What, Kimberly, why don't you tell us what a commandant is? It's like an official leader person of a gr- group. He was the commandant of the yacht club and he called the police. Why would you think to call the police? If you found a garment wrapped in a napkin. 
I am assuming he had already spoken with them. So and he they knew had that said, they were looking if anything for, funny, yes. have, that makes more sense. So, yeah. and it had been found right behind where apparently Harvey had his seat in the library mm-hmm. where he always sat and read, which I don't like to think about Harvey reading. I don't, I, I don't find that I impressive. Don't. I don't think I you're, don't. I don't think you're a gentleman or a scholar. Mm-mm. Regardless, the GPS matches the manual that they had found inside the boat. They check the GPS tracking and it shows the travel of Harvey's boat around May 4th. And I think this is the last trip it had on there. There were no trips after this date. So May 4th is the day. So on May 4th, the boat leaves the harbor at 2 p.m. It goes all the way around the backside of Catalina Island. Keith says it puttered around aimlessly in the night and then returns back to the dock at 6 a.m. And right now we get this very cool boat intern graphic. Mm-hmm. Good job, intern. Did you like it? Okay, good. Yeah, good job, Jordan. So, yeah, great job. So we all know that this is the G- GPS used by Harvey on the excursion because Greg comes back. And so Lieutenant excited. Greg tells us that he was with him when he bought it. Greg and Harvey went together, and Greg was really into this GPS. He said it was very cool, and he's got one too, which I loved. I loved I it. loved that Greg was back. I don't know if it was totally necessary because they had the it manual. Was. I mean, I love Greg. It was necessary for me to see Greg. No, again. it was necessary because we needed to know that he bought it but with someone it, else. Did, it wasn't. It was that brand of Garmin, but how could he prove that it was the exact Garmin that it it was Harvey that you know they sell those garments, so there probably were many sold. But it still helps to know that he was with him when he bought it, right? It's one more piece in the puzzle. It's your pencils. It is like the pencils because obviously it was the yacht club, and he sat there, and that's where they found it, and all of that. I don't know how important the Greg piece was, except that important. I got to see Greg again. Important no. to our happiness. I also okay. loved Greg, so it was important for yeah. both of us to see him. Yeah. Anytime they want to bring him on, I'm fine. For sure. Absolutely. Another case, bring him on. He can be my commandant any day. But it's not just that Greg said they bought the GPS together. Stephen and Harvey were definitely together on the night of May 4th because of their cell phone pings. Something called the Blackjack Cell Tower on Catalina Island, it showed that Harvey and Stephen's phones come around the back of the island, ping off there, and then right after that, Stephen's phone goes off. And that's the end of Stephen's phone, and we see it we see Harvey's move back to the dock. It's pretty good evidence. It's still circumstantial, but it's good. No, it's very good. So the question is, what happened on the boat that led to Stephen's murder? Doug says that Stephen was worried about his money that he had entrusted to Harvey to invest, and he was going to have a come-to-Jesus talk with Harvey. So detectives believe that the on the boat that night, Harvey just walked up right behind Stephen at the edge of the boat and shot him in the back of the head. He then fell or was pushed over And that explains the lack of blood evidence on the boat. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. The building of the murder case against Harvey took five years and 30,000 pages of evidence. The case was circumstantial, and the best evidence is by far the financial documents. But then a bombshell happens, something that no one expected. They go into trial, and in the defense attorney's opening statement, it comes out that Harvey had actually loaned money to Stephen's father back in the 80s 
So the best evidence they've got, this financial trail, was actually the repayment of a loan that Harvey had given Stephen's father a long time ago. And there's an actual promissory note between Stephen's father and Harvey. And obviously, Stephen's father is no longer with us to be able to give evidence on this. So it's bad. And the detectives are very nice about it. And it was one of the first times or one of the only times on Dateline I've seen them say, we missed it. We made a mistake. They own up to it. It was great. It never happens on Dateline. I was shocked. Ken Clark kind of tries to back out of it. And it was Martindale that basically says, no, we missed it. It was a mistake. So the judge calls a mistrial after this. But we're going to get a new prosecutor on this case. Kimberly, can you tell me about your feelings on prosecuting John McKinney? He's super handsome. He's very serious. Mm -hmm. Seriously Um, handsome. (laughs) Seriously handsome. He rocked my boat. And that's all I have to say about that. He also is a newbie at a case like this. This is the first case of this kind that he's ever handled and is honest about that. He's fantastic. And he's super on the ball. He finds that the loan documents that were presented in the first trial are a fraud. And the way he finds this out is that the signing signature of Stephen's father on the loan papers and the signature of Stephen's father just in life are different, which is a common thing that happens in fraud and seems very stupid, like a stupid mistake. Try to copy the signature. At least try. Try a little harder. They're so different. This was so different. That's cocky. I feel like Harvey's lawyers dropped the ball or looked the other way because they didn't do any sort of research to verify this document that their client gave them that said, oh, no, I didn't steal money. I was owed that money from his dad. And here I have this document. The signing signature was a fraud. Loan papers didn't match. So McKinney is what McKinney does in trial. Not only does he show, I don't even think they bring up the paperwork at the second trial, but what how McKinney tries it is that he shows the jury check by check how Harvey stole the money from Stephen, which is such a smart way to do it, to go this one, then this one, then this one systematically to the $1.7 million, and then shows that it's even worse than that. He stole the money to fix up the boat just for show. He never properly outfitted the boat to sail around the world. It could do normal trips, but it was not ready to go on long distances like that. It could wash your clothing in a $50,000 dryer and washer that spins your clothes Mm -hmm. into gold like some sort of... Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. No. I knew it res- wasn't Rasputin, but it can't. It's not actually very seaworthy. It's really bad vessel, but it has a fireplace. But it has a fireplace. Two bathrooms. Teak. Don't forget the teak. So then yeah. McKinney goes through the cell phone data to show that the two phones were together, and when the two phones were no longer together, the biggest evidence McKinney says, though, in the cell phone data is that Stephen and Harvey had been in pretty constant communication for years. The day that Stephen goes, quote, missing, there are no calls from Harvey to Stephen after that. That's the biggest tell. I agree with McKinney that that is the biggest evidence, right? Yeah, it's disgusting. Harvey Morrow's defense team decides to go with the age-old, no one killed Stephen. Stephen killed Stephen. 
which is so rude and really insulting. But the medical professional they have on the stand says that there is a chance that Stephen could have shot himself in the back of his head. So it is possible. And at this point, all of his friends are very concerned that this is going to happen again, that he's going to get out again. It's going to be another mistrial or the jury's going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But while that mm-hmm. evidence may have convinced some of the jury, the one thing that is going to change their mind is when Harvey himself decides to take the stand. Of course he does, because every cocky sociopath loves to take the stand to talk about themselves. And McKinney said, people in my office were Mm -hmm. saying, no, no, he won't do it. And I said, you watch. He loves to talk, and he's a Mm -hmm. con man. He thinks he can fool everybody. So he, on the stand, tells another tale at this point about how No, there was a loan. It wasn't the loan he talked about before with, I don't believe the loan was between Stephen's father and him. The new loan that he's telling the story of on the stand is that Stephen had asked for money and there was a verbal agreement. So it was, there was no paperwork. It's just a verbal agreement. And so this was a repayment of the loan, the 1.7 million. Stephen, for no reason, asked to borrow that much money and then inherited that money right that same amount of money but he's living on a boat with no expenses that was also part of the repayment maybe i don't know i'm i'm wondering what he said thing is it's when you say something so confidently like what i've been trying to get you to do this whole time when i ask you questions that you may not know the answer to it's about i did it once or twice now we know you're definitely not a sociopath this has all been a test You've passed It only the test. took you 20 plus years to figure it no, out. No, I knew it. I just, I wanted everyone else to know it. I still haven't figured it out about you, though. Your test. Oh, great. Good. Comes next week. That's good. Let's do that. So the jury makes everyone sweat because they stay out for two full days. But then they come back and have made the right decision. They found him guilty. And Harvey shows absolutely zero face change emotion when the verdict is read we see him in court with his thick head of hair and nothing did you see that good head of hair though he does but it doesn't make you not guilty no it does not or a yachtsman so doug takes the stand at the court to speak directly to harvey and this was my favorite thing that he said he said you worship a false god a god of arrogance ego and greed is that a quote from a book i don't know but that invisible mic Mm -hmm. dropped That was so good. He delivers it clearly and directly to him. I loved it. Harvey is sentenced to life without parole. And now Debbie invites Dateline down to the dock to perform The Heart of the Ocean. Every night in my dreams I see. We get a full Titanic moment, but it's very sad because she has in the tiniest little palm of her hand, this is Because it's not just she's throwing the fake ring in the ocean. She's throwing away all the costume jewelry he bought her. And I'm hoping it's more that we saw in the palm of her hand. They were married. And it's what appears to be maybe a chain or two chains. It's so tiny. It's the size of a nickel. That's how small the amount of jewelry he bought her was over their relationship. He spent $1.7 million and $50,000 on a washing machine. And in her tiny little hand, she has this little tiny 
I have different issues. Debbie, pawn that stuff. No. Get a few hundred dollars. It's costume. And then she can't pawn a it. Cup, $100 no. even. You, $50? They don't want it. You can sell it on Poshmark. Maybe eleven fifty. Treat yourself to a Starbucks Frappuccino. At least you got something out of the deal. But it's cursed. The Frappuccino? No, the... Sorry, not the... I'm just saying I, I'm always hesitant to buy jewelry resale because you don't right. know what it's attached to. You don't know the to. history. So right. that's my Absolutely, that's wise suspicion. instinct. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's wise. Yeah. And I feel like much like balloon releases, throwing things symbolically into the ocean needs to go away because I don't believe that it's good for the environment. I may have written Kimberly's going to say you should throw things in the ocean. <laughs> Pause for Kimberly. Pause for Kimberly to get on her environmental soapbox. Former treasurer and creator of the environmental club of her high school. She y'all. can't help it. Just let her be. Let her can't be herself. It. Okay. I honestly don't know if jewelry is bad, but I know it, that's not its intended. It's not I where it's supposed to be. I just knew you weren't going to say something. I knew you weren't going to let it go. So, I, yeah, I did I know. know it's these beautiful moments on Dateline, like balloon releases. It's and really I'm like, bad that's... for the environment. You're the one. You're the one. Some turtle is going to choke on You're that balloon. You're the one. Oh, this is a beautiful symbolic moment. Well, they need to leave it how they found I'm... it. Debbie Downer. Sorry, Debbie. Anyways, so <laughs> after the heart of the ocean, the friends are talking. The two friends just reminisce about Stephen at the end of the episode. Doug says he can open a good bottle of wine and sit and think about his friend. And he does this very dramatic sort of swirl of his. He's obviously a wine connoisseur, which is funny. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia, who's just sort of been sitting in front of a coffee shop, we'll get to it, says she just thinks about Stephen as if he did take that boat trip. She already knew that she was going to lose him for a while because he was about to sail around the world. So she just thinks he's just out there sailing. And I thought that was such a lovely thing. And the way that they end the episode is with Stephen B and the Hawk doing their outro. And it was, they're saying, have a good weekend. Bye. It's a great episode. Everybody should watch it. It was really enjoyable. It is. And Steven seems like he was such a fun person. Yeah, really does. Do you have any B-roll bonanza? Yeah, so many things of the ocean. Just ocean, ocean, sand, ocean, Catalina, goofy photos of Steven and his radio partner in fake nose and glasses. I actually wrote it down and said, pictures from Steven in the Hawk K&K podcast. Because we yeah, should maybe do some of those see, like funny. They had some really funny ones where they're out like yeah. laying down and looking up at the sky. Funny mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Okay. When they're talking about Stephen and his friend having lunch, we see a close up of chips on a styrofoam plate. We did. And I was like, oh, that's where the lunch serves you. Again, styrofoam. Not good for the environment, people. And then I liked a lot of the image of the boat. And then on the white side of the boat, there's a projector screen that keeps showing Harvey, like his mugshot and his photos and stuff. So it's like you're watching an outdoor movie, but the screen is the side of a boat. Yeah. I liked it. And then the car dealership guy got good B-roll. He puts on a – Joe, he puts on a leather jacket and then walks out of his house. That was my favorite B-roll. I don't think we normally see people put on their outerwear. And he does it in this real cop way. 
And then he leaves the house and the cameraman is like, I'm just going to stay in your house. What's happening? It's the strangest B-roll, but he's like, I'm, because he was like. He was getting down to business. It was a getting down getting to business to, yeah, move. It I loved was. it. Yeah. He's like, I thought I retired, but it pulled me back in. Yeah. <laughs> Slash. I'm too I'm old, too for, old this. for this. Bleep. Yep. And then he heads out the door. Yep. It was, that was really good B-roll. The detectives had a ride along where they're together in the car. And I don't know if you noticed, but they had some very dramatic uplighting when they're driving around <laughs> at night. It was very much, let me tell you, a scary story. So Sylvia, Stephen B.'s friend, is sitting out front of that coffee shop with an iced coffee. Is it a Starbucks? No. No. Okay. No. All right. Uh, Different cups. Oh, boy, I really wish I could read this because it looks like it was really good. It looks like it says drinkers. Drinkers, me, looking, and bag. Oh, Doug Johnson drinks wine. Yeah, I'll have to take a picture of this note. You'd love this one. (laughs) Doug drinking wine and looking at these huge black and white glossy 8x10s. He's not just Mm -hmm. looking through a photo album or little pictures. He's looking at the photo shoot that Stephen B. and the Hawk did. Mm. That was really fun. And then... Greg, all of Greg's B-roll with him out on his Surrey on his boat with the big wheel. <laughs> Did you see the big wheel on his boat? Yeah, yeah. He was born for the sea. But we didn't see him naked sea. sunbathing, which we assume he, he does. absolutely does. He was born for the sea and he never takes off that necklace. One day it's just going to crack off and he probably yeah. has a uh-huh. drawer full of them that he just replaces it. Yeah. Anytime. I don't even know if that Crocodile Dundee shirt was his. I feel like Dateline had to give him a shirt because he doesn't own one because he's always out on his the His shirt's water. a Henley, right? It was a button-down, like, cargo-colored shirt. That's a, that Henley. a Henley. That's the pajama I shirt. I thought the Henleys were the pajama. No, it was like a button-down. It didn't material. have a collar. Like a nice... I'm not sure about Okay, we'll see. It looked like he was going on a safari-type shirt. It did. Okay. That might be where you got Crocodile Hunter. So Fashion Police, the shoe with the barnacles was, I felt like it was a little over the line. It was. I don't know. I watch shows where people get barnacles inside their hands. You did. So nothing is off limits for me. That is true. Steven's t-shirt. Did you get what it said? There are two. And one said that if I got smart with you, how would you know? And then the other one said, those who think they know everything annoy those of us that do which i might actually need that shirt cross stitching it right now good on a pillow that's good i thought that was real you know he can kind of get away with it he was good for me i don't have any titles (laughs) (laughs) you can no longer give me flack for not well you never do you're always very nice actually when i don't come up with titles i have titles but they're unfortunate i can't handle it i have parting is no sweet morrow oh that's good i got stuck on morrow what about Harvey Morrow Row Row Your Boat? Oh, that's good. That's very good. What about Stephen B. Good instead of Johnny B. Good? It's terrible. All right, Three go fingers to the wind, which doesn't make sense because in my oh. mind that expression means that you like escaped and you went off somewhere like they thought he did, but it actually means drunk. So I know it doesn't. No, really three make sheets sense. to the wind. Yes, means drunk. No, I know. I just replace it with fingers because of his fingers. Okay, so I got really stuck, really stuck on the fact that Harvey 
is the name of that play where the guy sees the invisible bunny. Jimmy Stewart. And so I kept thinking that I was getting somewhere like Harvey, Bad Bunny, like a because Bad Bunny, but then Bad Bunny because he's that singer, Bad Bunny. And the only reason I know him is because he's in those commercials with Snoop Dogg. And I like the way Snoop Dogg says Bad Bunny. And then he was on SNL one time. But that's literally the only reason I know who Bad well, Bunny is. you did get stuck but though. I've been But couldn't there. get anywhere. I got the sinkable Harvey Morrow. That's good. the unsinkable Molly Brown. Because of Titanic. See the whole Titanic thing? I got it. Okay. I, I liked it very much. What about GBS? Okay. okay, I like that. No, I like that. And we could use it for multiple datelines whenever a GPS <gasps> is involved. Yeah. That's going I'm in ashamed. the staple file. No. I like it. These are great. And you did a great recap. Oh, Everybody stop it. Yay, Let's Katie. just stop. We should have talked about Amber Heard. I would have been able to pontificate on no. that. Now I'm just... By the way, someone wrote a diatribe under Dateline's post on Twitter like about the thing. I watched her for six weeks. That's enough. I'm not watching it. I love Dateline. I love Josh Mankiewicz. He's amazing, but I'm not listening to this. And Josh Mankiewicz goes, try this instead and put a link to our episode with him. Uh, How amazing is he? If you haven't listened to our last week's double date, go listen to it. Josh has some really great stories in it. And we go, also, I got one. I got one in. Move to strike. Josh thought I had a good idea. Mm -hmm. I was very excited. I will live on that for a few years. Mm -hmm. Also, clausing you had, which was very funny, which is frogging, but on a roof. And if you don't know what frogging is, you've got to listen to our episode. Oh, frogging. I can't. I really, it's, it's really disturbing. disturbing. It also doesn't seem right, but I, it must be right. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. Please check us out on social media, Date Dateline, on Instagram and on Twitter, and maybe Cats of Dateline on TikTok soon, because Oliver's got a phone <laughs> full, of, full of pictures and videos. So there you go. And be your own boat life. So this is signing off. Have a good night, everybody. This is Kimberly and the cat. And the cat. This AM drive time. How about Kimberly and the cat? And we reclaim the from being like bad kitty into power kitty. Right. You did not like when I made that cat sound in that one episode. That was funny. Stop it. Okay, I don't like it now either. Kitty likes to scratch. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. It's one more piece in the puzzle. It's your pencils. It's my pencils and my. (laughs) Did I say it like that? So it's not even just the word. It's that word in the other word. So I can't say any form of that word because it turns into. I'm crying. I'm trying to think if I say penultimate or penultimate. I'm worried about it. Do you think I have a tumor?
You think I have <laughs> no. a light tumor that pushes on no. a part of my brain that a makes me light. late for no. that makes me late for things, and then also makes it so that I say a few things not correctly. <laughs> no, not at all. No, you. We all say things. Should I get a scan? I feel like I should no. get a scan. <laughs> Maybe. Oh uh, boy. But no, it is. Oh. His spider yeah, colony? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst episode. I should do the recaps. Seriously, it didn't feel right. Stand up. Shake it out. Find it. I don't want to find it. Let it outside. I'm not letting it, it out. If, if it went Your down choice. my shirt, it's going into the, <laughs> it's going in the toilet. You stop it. I'll give it a chance to swim to freedom. Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry. I just ruined that lovely last moment. But that's the end of our <laughs> that's the end of our episode. Good lord.